0: This is the SEN Talks podcast from Galdard's SEN. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to our special bonus podcast that we've decided to do for you to help with this period of time. Now, if you have a child who is in year uh five and six you're thinking about secondary transfer where are they going to go to secondary school what's going to happen um if you know they're trying this uh your young person or your child's tra- starting to get a little bit dysregulated already at the thought of it it's all in the playground here's our top tips adam and i are going to be discussing how to get through um to the other side of secondary school if you like so i'm here with adam Again, as always, first and foremost, the deadline for secondary transfer um, is the 15th of February. And you you may or may not know that. And that's the same deadline every year. So by the 15th of February in year six, your local authority have to name, have to issue you with an amended plan, an amended final plan, naming the school that your child is going to go to from September the following year as in following academic year so what do you do when you receive your final EHC plan and it's got a school on there that you don't want your child to go to Adam we have lots of people that come to us with this with this problem don't they Um, and they're panicking um, you know they've named local comp there's about 1,600 pupils in there. My child's not going to cope. I've had a look. It's got a really poor Ofsted rating. Um, what's the first thing that we should do?
1: I suppose taking a step back in the process. Um, a lot of parents, when they're coming to the end of, I suppose, year five, will be getting an idea about what, where their child is in terms of the development and functioning. And what is the right kind of setting moving forward to secondary? So you really at that year five annual review, a lot of schools and parents will be having that kind of conversation. Around, around, uh, Around about October time is when local authorities will start asking parents in year six about their kind of choices for secondary school. So if you're of the view that your child should continue within a mainstream education and you've nominated a local mainstream school or academy or free school, um, in most situations, the local authority should name that placement Um you have parental preference and you have an almost absolute legal right to a mainstream education. So if you have nominated that, that should be the school named in Section I mm. of the EHC plan issued on the 15th of February. But there are quite a few cases where a say a mainstream secretary school is resistant to be named in an EHC plan and a local authority might not name your parental preference. In those situations, parents should really challenge that to to the SEND tribunal even um, on the basis that their child should be educated in accordance with their wishes. And there's no reason why any um, incompatibility with their child's education couldn't be resolved through additional support in the EHC plan for their attendance. In most cases where that happens, the local authority and the school eventually will agree to um, take the child um or the local authority and the school will be ordered by a tribunal to do so so if those are the circumstances a parent faces i think the first thing to say is don't panic maybe in the first instance you should go back to the local authority and ask them why they haven't named your parental preference and if you are in a situation where the authority holds its position then yes of course you should look at potentially appealing that decision to the same tribunal The law is really quite uh, favourable to parents in that situation and usually you see in the way local authorities respond that they recognise that they'll usually concede those types of cases.
0: Yeah I think it's important to know that you do have a right of appeal as well like everybody um, if you're not to Ofe with the area of law, the reason for the high panic is because, well, I have no choice, I have to send my child to to this school, I don't want to go to this school. Um, But it's important to note that you do have a right of appeal and the deadline for that, as with any other right of appeal, is two months from the date of your letter and you've got to have a mediation certificate so you could extend it by an additional month if you time that mediation certificate correctly. I think a big problem though sometimes, um, Adam, if you if you, you I mean you might agree with me, you might not, is um that because the local authority sometimes hasn't got anywhere to place a child, they just won't find the nice and they'll breach their statutory deadline because they're waiting, sometimes with the best of intentions, sometimes because they're just sitting on it and they've got too many and they're inefficient. Um, but they're just not naming it because they're looking for somewhere, they haven't found somewhere, etc. What what would we do like what would the parents do in that situation
1: so the deadline the 15th of february is a legal statutory deadline so it's it's a must finalized by that date to name a secretary school um in section i of the plan effectively that's the last date the authorities should can do it by and um, they should have i suppose consulted made a decision way before that date so the answer to that situation is if the authority is saying they can't finalise because they don't have a school or they can't finalise for whatever reason, they can be pushed to finalise the plan, naming a type of school in section I. So if their view is it's a mainstream or if their view is a special school, they just need to put that in section I and provide you with the right of appeal. So. In most situations, an email from a parent to a local authority saying, please finalise my plan, you're in breach of your statutory duties, will be enough to have that happen. Unfortunately, at the moment, we are seeing a a high level of um, turnover of case officers across all local authorities in the country, and significant delays in local authorities even responding to emails or um, uh, completing their statutory duties. So what you can do in that situation is um, you can ask a lawyer, someone like ourselves, to write something called a pre-action judicial review letter. Um, effectively, you're saying to the local authority within the next 14 days, you need to resolve the situation and provide us with a final plan, or we'll take the matter to the High Court. It's very, very rare that it needs to go anything anywhere further than pre-action because the local authority will be very aware that it's in breach of the statutory duties. And it's likely, if they had to go to the High Court, that the the High Court would find in favour of parents. In most situations as well, if it did go that far, um, the children involved would be um, covered by legal aid, so there wouldn't be any additional cost to parents, which is actually another incentive to local authorities to do their duties.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: I I think the other thing to kind of bear in mind with all of this is... um, Timing. So the tribunal has got a very large influx of appeals over the last five years. It does prioritise secondary transfer cases, which means that they try and hear them before July or at the latest in September. But I think every parent should be aware of that whilst their local authority may have the best intentions, as Salisay said, at um, kind of trying to find that school and not being able to find it, that delay could lead to your case being heard much later than it should have been, um, which could lead to your child being in the wrong setting in September whilst you resolve the situation or or being out of school. So whilst we understand that local authorities have these delays, at the end of the day, the person who is likely to um, be majorly impacted upon is parents and the child themselves. So I would say keep the local authority as close to that deadline of the 15th of February as you can um yeah I suppose what we haven't talked about is those kind of cases where say a a young person is in year six and their needs may be so um that a mainstream secondary school would not be appropriate yeah
0: exactly I mean I was going to ask you about that as well because um another common theme around that time because we always get such a high influx of of clients and um, parents contacting us around that time because it's kind of um, everybody's talking about the transfer to secondary school everybody panics obviously there's a big unknown and when there's things that are unknown naturally um things panic you know people panic you don't know how um to get your child ready for secondary school because we don't know where they're going and um, big question marks but what if the mainstream school that that everybody seems to be suggesting we know it's not going to work we're looking at some special schools the ones that the local authority have maybe presented to us we're not sure about those you know i mean how do how do our parents go about finding a school because that is one of the biggest problems that we are facing first of all the shortage of schools the fact that there's not a lot around um and how how do we decide? You know, based on a on a view of them, you know, going, going around on a tour. I know they do assessments as well, but it's like a little guide for our for our parents to help us with that decision-making process.
1: So I think when we go back to that year five annual review, which usually takes place in the summer, yeah. at that stage there should be the kind of starting, I suppose, of the conversations over what's next or so what's happening in secondary school. Mm-hmm. I think at the start of there, there needs to be a discussion with the current setting, so the primary school setting over your child's needs and whether a mainstream secondary school would be able to meet those needs. Now, some schools will have a really good understanding of a child's needs and why a typical mainstream secondary school would not be appropriate. Other schools might just simply see it as being a secondary school's problem and not theirs and so sit on the fence about it. Others may, I suppose, have got the wrong kind of training to understand the kind of problems that a child or young person would face in that situation. So I think there's key element components that I always think about um, when looking at, say, some of my cases. So the first one I think would be, what are the needs identified? So how do they present themselves and how does that correlate to a secondary school environment? So a secondary school environment is a very different environment from a primary school environment. Nice. I think a lot of parents don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a much bigger pupil population. Usually, you know, a, a typical secondary school can be anything from 600 students to you know, 1,500 students. So there can be a much bigger, um, I suppose, social environment. It's busier. It's noisier. Usually students are educated according to subjects. So there's lots more teachers involved. So lots of subjects, specialist teachers, sometimes between, um, you know, 12 to 15 throughout the school week.
0: Mm-hmm. Organization.
1: Addition, yeah, organization around that. Um, in addition to that, there's the social side of things. So you've got students nice. from year seven until um, year 13. So a much more uh, sophisticated social environment. Also, the curriculum itself becomes much more complicated. So a much higher demand on literacy skills, but also a much higher demand on kind of abstract thinking and new concepts that you would not have seen in a primary school setting. So all of those elements can have a real impact. And also there's the actual physical size of the classroom. So for some students being educated in a typical classroom of 30, is just too much to handle. So in a mainstream primary school where, you know, a lot of mainstream primary schools could be quite small and nurturing. There might be a high level of um, teacher and support staff ratio to students, mm-hmm. meaning that students are really well supported. There might have been a very small amount of teachers across the school, so there's a, a greater level of familiarity because of the nature of a mainstream secondary school that may not be available. And there might be a much more kind of helicopter approach of different learning support assistants and teachers coming in. And that can provide quite a lot of inconsistency and anxiety for certain types of students. So I think when when you're kind of considering it for your own child, maybe look at all those elements and then look at your, your child's EHC plan. Maybe have that discussion with your the staff at your current school. And look at whether that kind of works. The other thing is is if you are having a high level of specialist teaching or therapy within your primary school setting, does that work with your secondary school? Is that are you able to timetable that? In terms of your child's maturity, are they going to be um, become more embarrassed, I suppose, or more aware of them having, say, a learning support assistant with them um, or being removed from class to do additional uh, therapy or teaching? all of those elements start to come come around the mainstream secondary school environments and i think are key things if i was a parent that i would be looking at so when you're looking at um, whether a mainstream secondary is appropriate i think look at those aspects remember that an ehc plan should be built around a child's needs and provision that they require what's necessary to meet their needs not what the local authority may have available and and want your child to fit around. So provision should fit around the child, not the child around the provision. And that's exactly. such an important element.
0: yeah, yeah. and it's often it's you you know we get parents say to us, but there's nothing else, there's nothing else, And you think, well, I understand, um and it is very difficult to find somewhere else, but it is far better for your child. We have found in our experience to get sections B and F right focus on your child, focus on the expert advice that um, is being presented about your child and then find a school that's going to be able to cater for all of that after because the repercussions obviously of getting it wrong is worse than staying, you know, maybe having some home tutoring or or working a year in advance on where to take your child in year seven. Um, You know, we've seen young people who tend to recluse into themselves some refuse to go to school altogether some anxiety sort of hits the roof and they they can't leave their homes i'm not saying that that's standard in every single case it's not sometimes they'd start misbehaving or showing dysregulated behaviors at school because they can't engage um so it's better to, to plan and get it right rather than try and fix try and fix it when it's gone wrong, I find.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, trying to fit a child around something which is inappropriate in the first place, unsurprisingly, is usually not going to work. And there's only so much bolt-on or additional provision you can put into place to address that. Sometimes the, the nature of the environment and the, the type of teaching and approaches used are simply not appropriate. Um so, you know, we, we talked about the elements of why, say, a mainstream secondary school may not be able to work and having that conversation with school. The other thing is to, you know, go with your gut and think about what you think is required. So, you know, is it a smaller environment? Is it smaller classes? Is it kind of a very high level of specialist teaching? Does that need to be delivered at the point of teaching from a specialist teacher throughout the curriculum? Or is it something which is more boltable than that, so a few extra sessions a week? And the same goes for therapy levels. All of those will give you an indication of the environment which is right for secondary. It's much better, I think, in most cases that a child starts secondary school in the right environment, than goes into a, I suppose, a risky environment where you have concerns about it working, particularly if your gut is telling you that it's probably not going to. As Salise was saying, there is a kind of dynamic, a, a group of students that we work with who, for whatever reason, mainstream secondary schools haven't worked, and then trying to place those child in the right setting could be really difficult because of the damage kind of done to them to their emotional well-being by being in the wrong setting. So by way of example, um, if you place a, a child who's severely dyslexic in a mainstream secondary school and you Expect them to kind of access things with limited um, support, um, then they might kind of respond really badly to that and disengage from learning. Also, because you know we're talking about cognitively able people, they might be really embarrassed about having, say, a learning support assistant in the mainstream secondary environment when they were happy with it in a mainstream primary. Yeah. With with um, high functioning autistic children, we um, or young young people, I should say. We tend to find that there there is a group who start in a mainstream secondary school and usually they're placed there because academically they're doing really well. So, you know, in their core areas of their curriculum, they seem to be doing really well, top of their class. But then when you actually look at the other areas of their needs, they are significant. And I, I, in a lot of cases, they're not recognised as significant until things start breaking down. So if you have real issues with your social communication and your interaction with your peers, in a mainstream primary, where all the staff know you as a smaller environment, that might be catered for. But you're, when you're exposed to a much bigger environment with a, a much greater demand in your social communication interaction skills, that can lead to a kind of peak in anxiety. Um, same goes for the curriculum. The cr- curriculum is becoming more abstract, uh, less literal. And some students with that kind of profile who've been doing very well through their primary education suddenly finding the curriculum hard, that can have a real impact as well. The sheer size of the environment can also have an impact. So, sheer size and lots of different teachers, inconsistent approaches, that can all impact on that student's ability to cope and their anxiety levels increasing. We tend to find that it's all of the above. You usually have a combination of all of those things, which effectively lead to a student disengaging from their learning environment cause significant stress and anxiety and can lead to the placement breaking down. Um,
0: I mean we had um, I, I had an annual review actually just this morning um, similar situation. And you kind of think we would lodged an appeal and you kind of think, what's the point of an annual review at this point in in time? Um, And the school's perspective, um, the school has actually been really helpful. The school's perspective of um, these are all of the strategies that we're going to try and have young person to engage in school. So that's very well and it's a very well thought after plan. But the key problem in this is getting them there. And we're not able to get them there because of the trauma that they lived through in those first weeks of term so as good as your intentions are and we're very grateful for you know all the time and effort that you've put in but it's just the 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 settings become unsuitable it's become untenable and then and in any event we're going to have to appeal or we have already appealed the placement and the school were very on board and they did say that they couldn't meet needs so i think um adam a lot of the time we found that it's about talking to the school and explaining this to them um from the offset and sometimes that discussion may need to be had before your child's even started the school if the school have offered the place or if the the school of uh, the local authority have named the school to say look this is how my child presents Um, I don't think they're going to cope based on all of these reasons here's some professional reports that, that I've got in the past or here's some examples of what he or she has done do you really think that you're going to be able to put all of this in place because we not because you you are incapable of doing your job and educating but just because you are not the right fit for us I think that's probably a conversation worth having
1: yeah, and I think if you if you can, having that conversation with your current school in year five is useful. So you yes. can have your raise your concerns and ask them to kind of contribute to outlining where the main areas of needs are. So always to make this very clear, you often hear about students going to mainstream secondary schools who are academically able to access that environment. But it's all those other areas, the social communication, the interaction, the anxiety, the attention. And physical and sensory needs, even if they are academically doing well in their primary setting, when you have all that combination in that different, very different mainstream secondary setting, that could be a real issue. So, having that conversation in year five uh, of that annual review is useful and that keeping that dialogue going in year six. So, it's important if a school has something that can meet your child's needs and you're, you're, you have concerns that it can't. As say, it was saying, to, you know, go and talk to that school in person if possible and have a realistic conversation about whether it's going to work or not usually secondary schools they base their decisions on the documentation they have in front of them this is usually an EHC plan usually one which hasn't been updated in many years so it's giving the yeah. um, a picture of a child which is very different from the year, set, year six student you have in front of you mm-hmm. so I think that's always important to also remember um, because if you if you don't have those kind of elements and you and the school makes that decision of yes they can meet need and you don't go and talk to them about it it might be that they continue to maintain a position based on the wrong information in the first place um, sometimes even with all of that stuff a mainstream secondary school still maintains the position that they can meet needs and it might be um, that, you know, when you have that school being named in the EHC plan on the 15th of February, there is no alternative other than to appeal to the Senate Tribunal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think I think, again, you know, yeah. it's that having that kind of thought about, is the elements here right for my child? Am I trying to put my child in a provision and fit them around what's available? Or, do we need to be looking at something different? What is the environment which is going to fit around my child's needs? I think that's the really important thing.
0: Yeah. And um, think going back to, you know, what you were saying about misinformation, I think that's probably a key one, because at the end of the day, um, as crude as it may sound, we have got to remember how the local authorities make these decisions. Um, and we are on paper. We're an EHCP. That's what they're looking at. They're looking at the writing. Um, They're looking at some reports maybe from back when we were in year three, maybe something along those lines, maybe even earlier. Um, And we were a completely different person. And I know from our um, Facebook lives, a lot of the questions, um, a repeated question that comes to us, Adam, is, well, how do I get that information updated? Because I may not have the funds to instruct independent experts um and the local authority isn't assessing isn't producing a new report um how how do i get that updated information i know they should at secondary transfer phase transfer stages at least get an updated ep report shouldn't they
1: they they should do Um, often i feel it's left to the school and that can be an issue about how um on top of it and how good the school is at the year five or uh, or say an early year six annual review to update that EHC plan so it it greater reflects the child involved Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately if you can't get all the services to update the report and the sort of EHC plan as they should then you're probably looking at a later stage um, if the wrong school is named in the plan or maintains that it can make need of having to appeal anyway and looking for that kind of expert advice. Um, I should say, and we should always say that for certain, some parents, they are entitled to, to legal aid and updated reports from independent experts may be covered by that. Mm-hmm. But each parent should, should look online to see whether they are eligible for that. For everyone else, I suppose the next stage, if the wrong setting has been named in section I of the plan, um, would be to appeal. Now, the other thing that we often get parents asking us is I know that the school named for secondary school um, in my plan is wrong, but I don't have my other school, so I can't appeal. The answer to that is you can submit an appeal based on type of school. So it kind of links in well to what we we're talking about with the key elements. So you can say in an appeal, we're not entirely sure what's right for um, our child, but we are concerned about these elements and we feel that the environment where they need to be educated in is more specialist, where they have these elements. And you can go and explore that during your appeal itself and hopefully obtain a placement at an alternative school. So if it's a maintained provision by the local authority or an academy in terms of specialist secondary schools, then as long as you reach their criteria, usually the local authority will name them. If they say that they are full, or, um, to add, your child would be incompatible with the education of others. Please don't just accept that. That is channelable Mm -hmm. to the tribunal. And again, often, surprise, surprise, when you challenge it, a placement suddenly, uh, an extra placement within that class becomes available. So I think the real problem is when you get to the stage where no mainstream um, school within the authority can meet need, none of the special schools are the right type of special schools or are, are full. Or inappropriate
0: mm-hmm.
1: what do you do then so you can name independent settings in section i but in order to do that you have to know which one and they have to have offered a place yeah. so the next stage for parents would be to explore schools now ideally parents should really be doing that before the 15th of february in an ideal situation you'd know your school that you want to name and you'd have an offer a place But we get that that's not always um, possible. We get for a lot of parents, the secondary school is a journey and kind of coming to the stage of recognising what's right might come a bit later in the process. So what my biggest advice to any parent would be is if you don't think a mainstream secondary school is appropriate and none of the maintained provision is appropriate, then to um, go online, have a look at the independent special schools in your area. And look at whether any of those fit your child's needs. A reasonable travel distance from your home for a secondary school child is a 75 minute journey one way. So if you're looking at a radius that's kind of what you should be looking at whether those schools are in your area um, or in that 75 minute journey time. And then I would contact the school, look at their admissions and start the process as quickly as possible for the ones you've identified at um, Effectively um, going through the admission process to uh, to have a place
0: offered. Yeah, takes away an element of difficulty, doesn't it? If there has got you know, if we've got a school and the school's ready to offer a place, it takes away that stage.
1: Yeah, um, ab- absolutely. But there are problems with that as well. So just because a school says it can meet need, you should check obviously the status of that school in terms of its Ofsted reports or independent school reports, and feel that like it's right for your child um if you cannot identify a school within a 75 minute journey from your home just to say it's guidance it can be longer than that if if for your child it's not going to be distressing for them to do a more uh, a longer journey time or fatiguing um but if you still can't find anywhere then actually um and it's accepted that there's no school within the area which can meet need you can name a residential placement purely on the basis that there is no um, school available locally which can meet need. Or, in some cases, or more extreme cases, it might be that due to the child's, the nature of the child's needs, they may require provision which continues after a typical school day, which we usually call an extended or a waking day provision. I'd suspect in most of those cases, parents will be very aware already that their child may require that type of environment. But those are all things to be thinking about. You can go online. You can identify uh, potential uh, potential schools in your area. Usually, I think that the first start way to start looking at that is looking at what you see as your child's primary needs. So, if it's autism, dyslexia, speech and language disorders, usually you can you can focus and find a school which is appropriate. Um, you can also name an independent mainstream school. Um, we usually call those best fits. So. Yeah. Those are schools where they might have really good additional provision at school or a high proportion of students with special educational needs. Um, And the reason why they're named is because they offer smaller classes and more nurturing environments, a greater level of one-to-one support, a greater level of special support on site. So that's something to be aware of as well. So say you've been looking for school but haven't been able to find anything, you really don't want your child to go to a residential school the other option too you could be to look at that and yeah. look at you know whether there's a small independent mainstream school maybe with a good send department and additional support where you could potentially bolt on the additional provision required in section f in order to make that placement work
0: yeah and it's it's important to remember that any kind of therapy that's listed in the plan um needs to be provided by the local authority to your child or to the young person. Um, so even if that independent mainstream doesn't have a speech and language therapist, for example, that comes to come in once a week, if it's listed in your plan, then local authority need to be for, need to facilitate that for them. Yeah. so there's ways around it.
1: And when you appeal to the central tribunal for secondary transfer, you'll be really looking at that question of what's needed for secondary. So what I would say is, because uh, obviously we could be here for another hour if we didn't and talk about the tribunal process. We we yeah. have a previous podcast on appealing to the Central Tribunal with the HC plans. Predominantly, the information in that uh, podcast is still applicable here. The only difference here would be is if you were looking to bring in independent experts, you may also want them to visit your choice of secondary school and the authorities to determine whether that either of them are appropriate or not. Um, It's very difficult for anyone to have a discussion at tribunal over what's appropriate if nobody's been to the placements.
0: Very difficult. I think you and I have been there a couple of times where, yes, of course. <laughs> where nobody in the room has been there. Well I, was, well, I was on the other side, I must say. Nobody's been to the school. But it's, um, it gives a lot more weight to the evidence, certainly, um, if your expert can say that they've been to the school and they think it is suitable um, or not suitable if they've gone to see the school that you don't want your child to go to.
1: Yes, and I think the same goes for... um. The position in relation to say a maintained special school by the authority yeah uh,
0: sure. or even a
1: mainstream school where the authority and the school refused to be named having experts explore that provision to look at how you could take away the incompatibility of your child attending that school as another way of addressing that through evidence at a tribunal so yeah yeah
0: well um i would say uh Good luck to everybody in the upcoming uh, 15th of February deadline. Um, If you have any kind of questions, um, we do Facebook Lives um, around the coming weeks. Um, You can re-listen to them if if you're listening to this past the deadline. You can um, email us and and ask us any questions that you want where you can arrange a, a discussion with us. We don't usually promote that in these in these podcasts but we do offer a free 30 minute um, consultation if there's just a couple of questions that you want answered and or if, if if there's something that you need help with um so please do get in touch if there's anything that you that you need help with we know it's a really stressful time around this time of year
1: yeah absolutely
0: okay thank you, thank you very much everybody